Thanks for listening to the Leader Coronavirus Daily. If you're looking for more podcasts during this pandemic, have a listen to the Evening Standard's Webby-nominated Women Tech Charge. It's all about women leading the way in science, technology, engineering and maths. On Star Wars Day, have a listen to Charmaine Chan. She did the visual effects for the Mandalorian TV series and The Force Awakens. Just search for Women Tech Charge in your podcast provider. Now, from the Evening Standard in London, this is the Leader Coronavirus Daily. Hi, I'm David Marsland. Is the lockdown close to being lifted? Thank you for all you've been doing to stop the spread of coronavirus. Thanks to all of you, I believe we are making progress and passing through the peak. Boris Johnson's expected to speak on Sunday about how the UK plans to ease restrictions. Our political editor, Joe Murphy, tells us what's in store. And I'm guessing that the government has in mind the first day back after half term. There's been a lot of talk about having Head teacher Charles Fillingham on how some schools are getting ready to welcome pupils back. Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is the Leader Coronavirus Daily. For the whole thing, pick up the newspaper or head to standard.co.uk slash comment. In a moment, the UK lockdown lifting strategy. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hi there, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and across the Six Nations as Europe's elite go head-to-head in rugby's oldest international competition. Each week, we'll be looking at the QBE predictor, which forecasts the results of each round of matches. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe now and download wherever you get your podcasts. As always, thanks for listening. This week, the Isle of Wight becomes the first place to test out the UK government's coronavirus app. It'll tell people if they've come close to someone infected by COVID-19 so they can then self-isolate while they see if they develop symptoms. It's a major part of the UK's lockdown lifting strategy, but our editorial column says its first test will be to see if people actually use it. In normal times, a government app which monitored where you go on your phone would be the last thing people wanted to install. But these aren't normal times. 
If the government can reassure people about privacy and the system works, then it will still only function if enough people use the app. Researchers at Oxford estimate that if 56% of the population download and run it, the outbreak will be halted. But that's an ambitious target. Singapore, which developed an app early, found that lots of people didn't use it. Australia's app COVID Safe is now a week old, and 4.5 million people have installed it. A lot, but still under a quarter of the population. Australia's PM is telling people that using the app will get pubs open sooner. Boris Johnson rang him for tips last night. Expect a similar big sell here, too. So there's a lot of ifs surrounding the app, but we are expecting Boris Johnson to announce on Sunday how the UK will begin to ease lockdown restrictions. The Evening Standard's political editor Joe Murphy is with me now over the phone. And Joe, what do we think he's going to say? Well, what we're not expecting to hear is him to say lockdown is being eased from such and such a date, so let's all get back to work. Um, Nicola Sturgeon, as usual, has blown the gaff today by saying that she expects another three weeks of lockdown at least. Um, Although we're making real and significant progress, and that is definitely the case, the numbers still being infected by the virus and the all-important R number remain too high right now to make any meaningful change without risking the virus running quickly out of control again. So all things considered, and while, let me stress, decisions are yet to be formally taken, it is very likely that on Thursday I will be asking you to stick with lockdown for a bit longer. So what we're going to get from the Prime Minister, probably on Sunday, is um, a plan. And this is something that I think a lot of us have been hoping to see. This is the route map back to work and hopefully in time back to the cinema and the pub, but that's not for a long time. But getting the economy moving again with some changes to some of the rules, some safety measures, a lot of safety measures, and a sort of plan to for a staged firing up the engines one by one um, so that they can, over a period of many weeks, let some people free and see what the impact is on the R, the reproduction rate number, and if things are going okay, let some other people free to work. And then, if that's working, then maybe a bit of socialising after hours will be allowed. Parts of these plans are quite interesting to me. There's been a suggestion that they might relax the two-metre-apart rule. The two-metre rule has been at the core of social distancing from the very start of this um, there's always been a little bit of a flexibility implied in it the two meter rule is you must stay two meters apart from other people wherever possible and that wherever possible has always been um, kind of observed but not uh, really discussed and certainly if you've been out and about if you've been, just been to the shops you'll know occasions when it's unavoidable to pass people in the shopping aisle that you pass closer than two metres. But what is changing is that they are preparing to be more explicit about the exceptions that have to be made if people are going to get back to work in the warrens that are some officers um, and even the bigger officers. If they're going to observe strict social distancing, you won't get very many people into them. And... The the exception really boils down to this, David, which is if it's a brief encounter within two metres, it's not likely to be very dangerous. If it's in a very tight place, 
then you are going to have to use PPE or shields and have that all prepared, ready for people. I can imagine there's quite a lot of tight places in Westminster, though, Joe. We're going to see MPs in PPE. Well, I ventured back to the House of Commons last week, um, David, to interview Keir Starmer, and it was very interesting that they've got a lot of things set up. For example, on, on the lift up to my office, there was a sign saying, no more than one person in the lift at any time. Now, that's okay for me. I, I work on the third floor. I can shin up the stairs. Um, but if you're on floor 20 of Canary Wharf and you're in a lift that normally has 20 people squished in, how do you cope with that and get people to their offices in short order? The other thing that we had at the House of Commons was one-way systems. So there were sort of those, those, those nice ropes that you see in cinemas of, an, of a certain vintage have been placed long corridors so that there was a one-way system on either side of the rope. And that's kind of thing we're going to see everywhere. One-way systems especially. If corridors can be one way, then there's much less risk of people passing each other. Roots made in sticky tape, glued to the carpets everywhere. You're going to see a lot of that. As for lifts, yes, restrictions, maybe. And this is um, from talking to people. How? What do you do with a lift designed for 15 or 20 people? Um, uh, and you'll remember some tube stations rely on these too. Um, well, the answer is you reduce the number of people using them very, very severely unless you can somehow put screens in or have everybody use PPE or hold their breath for five minutes. Mm, not sure if that's, that's going to work. And there are other kind of really fine details emerging from this strategy. One that alarms me because I'm the worst journalist in the world, Joe, and I never have a pen on me. I'm always uh, borrowing people's pens. I would steal all yours if we were in the same office, but you're at Westminster and I'm I'm in our Kensington office. But um yeah, I've never got a pen and now we're not gonna be allowed to borrow people's pens. Uh, you're going to have to get one of these pens that hangs round your neck, David, so you can't lose it. And to be honest, that might be a blessing for everybody else in the office. <laughs> Next. You only have to walk down the street, don't you, and see someone cross the other side of the street. Um, the social distancing in schools is not really achievable, certainly not in the sense of being two metres apart. If the offices are opening up, what about the schools? We speak to head teacher Charles Fillingham about preparations in some classrooms. Ah, the sound of a school bell still gets you, doesn't it? Bet you're sitting up straight now. Of course, the bells, if they're ringing at all, have been banging forlornly through empty corridors for weeks now. Some of you may have been taking over as teachers, and I hope that's been going well. But if the offices are opening up, what about the classrooms? There's been no official word from the government, but its thought plans are being drawn up to let some pupils back in from next month. So the real school teachers might not have long to get things up and running. And I'm joined by one now. Charles Fillingham is a head teacher at Francis Holland School in Regent's Park. And Charles, there must be a massive amount of work involved in doing this. There is. So the things we're thinking about are cleaning, how we're going to keep each classroom clean before the next the sort of set of children come in, you know, will we have antibacterial wipes in the room so they can wipe the tables down, hand washing, children arriving at different times and staff being allowed to arrive at different times. So we probably won't have registration um, so that the teachers can come in just for the lessons when they need to come in so they're not on the tube at this busiest time, that sort of thing. It must be difficult when you don't have an exact date to work towards. I'm guessing that the government has in mind the first day back after half term. There's been a lot of talk about having 
three weeks notice. I've kind of been figuring that would make sense anyway. So that is what I have been planning towards with my team. And I would wait until either Thursday or Sunday to see what actually comes out of it. How many pupils do you have at your school and, and where are they coming in from? So we have 500 pupils. They come in from a broad sweep across North, Northwest and West London. And they come in mainly on the tube. Some of them live close enough to walk. And, um, and I think one of the things that people might be concerned about, their parents perhaps, um, is getting them safely to school, whether perhaps there might be more parents dropping them off. Are you expecting all those pupils who are supposed to come back to actually come back then? Do you think some may be held back for a, a couple of extra days? Yeah, I, I do wonder whether some of the parents will be uh, concerned about their children coming straight back into school, having stayed in such tight communities for six, seven, eight, nine weeks, whatever it might be, then to suddenly go into a massive community again. Um, there has been quite a job um, done of making us wary of going out. You only have to walk down the street, don't you, and see someone cross the other side of the street. Um, the social distancing in schools is not really achievable, certainly not in the sense of being two metres apart. That's not how schools work. And what can you say to your, to, to your own teachers, to yourself, actually, about returning? Are there, is there any trepidation there? Well, I think some more of the teachers than usual might cycle in. Um, I think some more might walk in if they're able to. Um, and as I was saying, we'll try to allow them to come in at different times so they can avoid the busiest time on the tubes. And when they finish teaching for the day, to go straight home rather than waiting again till the rush hour in the evening. Also thinking about how we can spread out the staff room. And the teachers have got about 80 centimetres at the moment. Uh, and then there's another teacher and another teacher. So we'll need to make sure that we offer them somewhere else where they can go and work if they don't want to be... Uh, cheek by jowl. And this has been such an extraordinary time, particularly actually for those parents who have had to take on the role of teacher as well. I, I'd expect there'll be some who are glad to send their the children back to class again, won't there be? Yeah, I think there certainly will. The uh, children have really enjoyed having interactivity. And so where we've been able to do the live video lessons uh, or live streamed lessons, I think that's been a real benefit. Um, not every class has been able to be done like that and not every school can manage it but that's been what I think has been the turning ground point when initially we were just setting work I think it was not as motivating not as stimulating easy for the children to lose sense of what time of day to get up and what time to get going so we start with assembly in the morning um, we have lessons through the day there's lunch break there's uh, activities suggested that you can do in lunch or sporting things in the back garden um, and until the end of the day. And are you worried that some children may have lost their place or some of your pupils may have lost their, lost their place in, in teaching that there's going to be a, a lot of work to catch up with? So I would probably say that the colleagues are working jolly hard to make sure that's not the case. Is there going to be a certain amount of catching up and levelling out? Yeah, it probably is. Uh, but I think teachers are inspirational. They work so hard and they are trying really hard to keep up with things. They're a diligent bunch as a profession. They're, you know, they're, they're really very hardworking indeed. And that's the Leader Coronavirus Daily. You can keep up with all the latest COVID-19 developments with the Evening Standards live blog, which you'll find at standard.co.uk. And we also have morning briefings available at 7am through your smart speaker. Just ask for the news from the Evening Standard. This podcast is back tomorrow at 4pm. <laughs>